Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our text is taken from Psalm 51, verse 1, which says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. My goodness, what a good verse this is. We're asking the Lord to have mercy upon us, and of course, without the Lord's mercy, where will we be? We deserve hell. We deserve to pay for our own sins. And yet, because the Lord Jesus came and died for our sins on the cross, our sins are blotted out as we put our faith and trust in Him. As we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So His mercies are upon us. And He does love us. And He does care for us. And He does meet our needs. And He does have a tender mercy. And He does blot out our transgressions. What a great God we have. It's so wonderful to be free of our sins so that we can live a righteous life, so that we can commune with the God who loves us. We can come into his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, and we can sense his presence and his blessing upon our lives. What a great opportunity we have to follow and to live with the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. 
This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Dennis Campbell. Dennis and I have traveled to Indonesia together. We met some new folks and a new ministry there. The Lord is really blessing partner with this group. Dennis, why don't you uh, tell us your impression of the travel to Indonesia and then uh, meeting our new friends. Well, good day, Brian. It was a long trip, as you know, uh, to get there, but it was an exciting trip, flying to a Muslim country and seeing the dynamic work that is being done by the Christians that have planted this church and that is growing the church in Indonesia. The group is, has a real strategic plan for reaching each of the islands, and we had a great opportunity to see some of those exciting works. Yes, we did. Uh, there's a church called the Church of Christ Jesus, and their primary ministry is to reach out to, to Muslims, but particularly uh, Chinese people who have immigrated there. As you know, Indonesia is probably 85 or 90 percent Muslim, and um, this is a wonderful Christian church that has planted churches not only in Indonesia, but also has planted churches in uh, Vietnam and Thailand and Myanmar, as well as China. And so they're very evangelical, and they're, they have a great outreach. And the thing that I liked about them is that their theology is, is very conservative, and we're like-minded. The Lord has really been using them, and the thing is they, they really need some help. Dennis came along as the development director to try to identify some of the areas where we could uh, make an impact and, and be a, a blessing to this church. Dennis, why don't you tell us about some of those initiatives that we might be getting involved in the future? Well, the first project that we saw the uh, early part of the trip was Christian education. Uh, there's a real need for uh, private schools in many of these islands to be able to reach the uh, children. And in one particularly communi- particular community, uh, which is actually has the uh, subtitle of being the city of a thousand temples, and it was very exciting to see the beginning of a Christian grammar school that had been started at that location. The numbers are up to 210 on weekdays to the school. They're working to expand the school because there's more uh, enrollment requirements that are being pressed on them. The need is growing quickly. Uh, that same school also has Sunday school events uh, on Sunday, and those numbers have climbed now to 300. So if you can imagine all these kids uh, from this strongly Buddhist community now in Christian school. And even though the families understand that they're going to get Christian training and teaching there, the need for education is so strong that this has become a great evangelistic tool to use for planning uh, the Church of Christ in this community. Yeah, and one of the nice things I saw was the fact that they, uh, they're they already adding a, an addition to the building so they can double the enrollment for the next term, and uh, they even purchased land uh, behind the facility so that they could continue to expand in the future. And of course, they started with a model where you start with kindergarten and add a grade each year and, and move forward. And I was really impressed with the, uh, the schoolmaster there. She was a really very capable lady who, uh, who was really had it you could just see in her face she had a real passion for the kids and for that community and the Sunday school they have a pastor there that's not just a Sunday school for kids but also adults come to that a lot of the parents come uh, because the kids are having such a great experience in the in the school there it's quite a blessing and quite a good ministry I was very impressed with it we're going to be praying for them in
and, and trusting the Lord to, to help them to expand and to have some of the needs met for those construction uh, projects that they have there. We're, we're also excited, Brian, about the potential for North Americans to travel there. They were very interested in college students who would come and teach English as a second language. So we believe there's going to be a lot of opportunities there. Uh, when Westerners come and are located at school, it brings the prestige up. So we think there's a lot of opportunity. Right now, even to operate their Sunday school, they have to have people fly in from another island for teachers. So we're looking for Sunday school teachers, teachers with second uh, language as English, and vacation Bible school leaders. Yeah, it's just a great opportunity to, to share the gospel in a place that's really, really dark area, and it was really a privilege to be there. And they seemed to be so encouraged that we would come and be concerned about them and uh, pray with them, and um, and so it's just a wonderful ministry. We had several opportunities like this while we were in Indonesia, and we'll continue this conversation next week. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. And we trust the Lord will continue to bless those who hear the gospel being preached across these airwaves. As you're aware, this is a listener-supported program, and we would not be on the air without the support of our listeners. This month, we're offering a booklet entitled Caregiving, which is a very important booklet. My mom and dad needed care towards the end of their lives, and my wife Patty's mom needed care in her latter years. We're caregivers. This booklet is a tremendous resource. And I wish I would have had this booklet when we were going through the process ourselves because taking care of someone in your home is a ministry and helps you to work through the various issues that you face and really helps you with scripture to overcome in giving care to another person. So I highly recommend this this booklet. Please write in to our uh, broadcast to the Cavs National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And the booklet's name is Caregiving. Are you weary? Are you heavy-hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Are you grieving over joy departed? Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. You know others, such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. Do the tears flow down your cheeks and bid and tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. Have you sins that the men's eyes are hid and tell it to Jesus alone. Are you troubled at the thought of dying? Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. For Christ's coming kingdom are you sighing? Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. You've no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. Today's message is from the Honorable Ernest C. Manning, and his sermon is entitled, Faith Once Delivered. Printed copies are available upon request. Today, as we continue the series of talks entitled, The Faith Once Delivered, 
May I direct your attention to two statements made by the Apostle Paul. The first is in his letter to the Galatians, chapter 1, verse 11. I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. The second statement on the same subject is in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. These statements make clear that the good news or gospel of the grace of God was committed to Paul by divine revelation and was not previously known to mankind. The revelation of the gospel of grace to the Apostle Paul is a cardinal highlight of the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. It is of tremendous importance to everyone. We need to understand its significance and relevance to us today. That's why I'd like to discuss it with you now. Several different Gospels are spoken of in the Scriptures. Many fail to recognize the important differences between them, which often leads to confusion and error. Let me give you some examples. Mark 1 speaks of the Gospel or good news of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 6.15 speaks of the Gospel of peace. Revelation 14.6 speaks of the everlasting Gospel. Matthew 4.23 speaks of the gospel of the kingdom. And Acts 20.24 speaks of the gospel of the grace of God, the gospel committed to the apostle Paul by divine revelation. For the purpose of our study today, I'd like to concentrate on the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel or good news of the kingdom goes all the way back to the Old Testament prophets, who foretold the coming of Christ as Israel's Messiah to reign over the house of Jacob, or Israel, forever, and of whose kingdom there would be no end. One reason why the Jews did not recognize Christ as their promised Messiah was they looked for a Messiah who would come in power and majesty as a king to free them from their oppressors and reestablish the throne of David and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. Consequently, when Christ came as a babe born in a lowly cattle shed, later to walk the highways and byways of Judea and Galilee as a humble itinerant teacher, they could not conceive of him being their Messiah, and so rejected him as an imposter. Their leaders likewise rejected the witness of John the Baptist, who came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
There stands in your midst one whom ye know not. Behold the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sin of the world. Mark 1.14 says, After that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. In fact, the gospel of the kingdom was the only gospel Christ preached throughout his earthly ministry. Most of his parables were told to illustrate important truths about his coming kingdom of heaven on earth. They usually started with the words, The kingdom of heaven is like unto this, or the kingdom of heaven is like unto that. His ministry, he said, was unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Had they believed and acknowledged him as their promised Messiah, he would have established the promised kingdom and taken his rightful place on the throne of his father David. But instead they rejected him and branded him a blasphemer and impostor and persuaded the Roman governor Pilate to sentence him to death by crucifixion. But God, in keeping with his eternal plan and purpose, turned their rejection and crucifixion of his son into an open door to eternal salvation not only for Israel, but for the Gentile world as well. On the cross, God laid on him the iniquity of us all. He died the just for the unjust, the sinless for the sinful, the creator for his creation, that the door might be opened for another gospel addressed not only to Israel, but to Gentiles as well. The gospel or good news that through the grace of God, the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ. When Christ had paid in full by his death the price of our redemption, he rose again from the dead. Through the witness of the twelve apostles and their fellow believers to Christ's deity and resurrection, God afforded his people Israel another opportunity to acknowledge that Jesus was indeed their Messiah and receive him as their Savior and Sovereign Lord. That's why from the birth of the Kingdom Church at Pentecost, the witness of the apostles was not to Gentiles, but to the Jews. The apostle Peter, addressing those who witnessed his miraculous healing of a paralyzed man in the name of Christ, concluded with these words, in Acts 3, 25, 26. Ye are the children of the prophets, and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, notice those words, unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you, in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Earlier, as recorded in Acts 3, 19, 21, he had said to them, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Now listen carefully. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the time of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. You see the theme of his message? They had crucified God's Son, their Messiah, Jesus Christ. 
God had now given them added proof of his deity in that he had resurrected them from the dead. If in the light of Christ's resurrection they would now believe and acknowledge his deity and messiahship, Christ would return and the promised kingdom of heaven on earth would be ushered in. But again they refused to believe and continued refusing despite the irrefutable proofs of Christ's resurrection. The church during that period following Pentecost is often spoken of as the kingdom church because the theme of the apostles' witness to the Jews was if they would now believe the resurrected Christ would return and set up his kingdom as God had promised through their Old Testament prophets. When you come in the divine record to Acts chapters 10 and 11, you find the first departure from the apostles' witness exclusively to the Jews. Those chapters record how a Gentile named Cornelius was moved to send for Peter to learn from him the way of life, and how God removed Peter's unwillingness to fellowship with a Gentile by giving him a vision through which he taught Peter he should not regard any man as common or unclean. Peter visited the household of Cornelius, and as he witnessed to the deity and resurrection of Christ, Cornelius and his household believed, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit as the Jewish believers had been at Pentecost. Now, when Peter returned to Jerusalem, he was criticized by the Hebrew Christians for having preached to Gentiles, but he recounted the vision God had given him and Cornelius' response to his witness as evidence that God was intending to extend salvation through Christ to Gentiles as well as Jews. Meanwhile, Saul of Tarsus, the most vehement enemy of the church, experienced a miraculous conversion on the road to Damascus, where he was going with the intention of apprehending any and all who professed faith in Christ. Saul, whose name was later changed to Paul, described his conversion in these words in his defense before King Agrippa as recorded in Acts 22. As I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, came and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked up upon him. And he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldst know his will, and see that just one, and shouldst hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance, and saw him saying unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul recounts how he then went into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. 
It seems most likely that the gospel of the grace of God was committed unto him by revelation while in Arabia. In Galatians 2, he speaks of going to Jerusalem 14 years later with Barnabas to communicate to the Jewish Christians the gospel of grace that God had commissioned him to preach to the Gentiles. Acts 15 describes the serious controversy that developed between the Hebrew Christians at Jerusalem and the Christians of the Gentile churches throughout Asia who had responded to the gospel of the grace of God through Paul's ministry. The Hebrew Christians held that circumcision was necessary for salvation and that Christians were required to keep the law of Moses. Read the chapter for yourself. It's a most interesting record of how fundamental differences between the gospel preached by the kingdom church and the gospel of grace as revealed to Paul led to a serious controversy in the early church on how it was resolved. Let me close by pointing out the scope and completeness of the gospel of grace as recorded in Acts 13, 38, and 39, where Paul, speaking under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, that is, Jesus Christ, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Did you get that? By him, that is by Jesus Christ, all, not just some, but all that believe, are justified, not maybe or will be, but right here and now are justified from not just some things, not just from sins of the past, but are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. While the kingdom church was born at Jerusalem at Pentecost, the church of grace was headquartered at Antioch, from whence Paul and Barnabas started their first missionary journey. Their message was not just to the Jews, but to all people of all colors and races. The great and glorious mystery of the gospel of grace, Paul says, is that not only the Jews but also the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of God's promise in Christ. For in him there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. That is why genuine Bible Christianity born of the grace of God, is the answer to racial prejudices, to conflicts between employers and employees, and to inequalities between men and women. Let me repeat it. In him there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. The gospel of grace gave birth to the church of grace and the great universal mystical body of Christ, which we'll discuss in our next talk, God willing. But let me ask you now what your response has been to the gospel or the good news of the grace of God. Do you believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and that he died for your sins according to the scriptures? 
that he was buried on the third day he rose again according to the scriptures? Do you believe that by him all that believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses? If so, have you opened your heart and life to him and invited him in to be our Savior and Lord? If not, will you do so today? Canada's National Bible Hour share biblical truth and Bible doctrine to help people grow in their faith, but we're also concerned about those who may be listening in who have never received Jesus Christ, their personal Savior. And so we'd like to share a brief evangelistic message, which simply says this, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all come short. We've all done things we are embarrassed about, things that we are, things that bring guilt to us. We realize that we did the wrong thing. Those things are called sin. The Bible calls it missing the mark. God is a holy God. He's a righteous God. He's a perfect God, and we are not. And so, therefore, we're not able to get into his presence because he's a holy God, and we are sinners, and we need grace. And the grace is that the Lord Jesus Christ came to earth, lived a sinless life. He was a God-man. He went to the cross. He bore our sins in his own body. He died and rose again on the third day. And because he died for our sins on the cross, our sins are paid for. And so when we, we exercise faith, when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be saved. When you trust Christ for your salvation and ask him to forgive your sins and repent of your sins, you become a believer in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says you're a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Remember to order your copy of Care Given. Write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States, Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also hear past messages of Canada's National Bible Hour by visiting our website, missiongo-radio.org.